Welcome into our first fall episode of Rhymes with Orange. I'm your host, Evan Budgervich, and alongside Billy Leggett, we will interview professors, coaches, deans, administrators, you name it, people across campus. And we're going to tell stories this year. We want to inform you on what's going on here at Campbell University and maybe some people you hadn't heard of or didn't really know what they do. That's the whole point of Rhymes with Orange. We're unique. We're different. And a chance to be able to to show you what happens at Campbell University. Our first guest is on the football staff. He's the assistant head coach. His name is Stephen Williams. Has a unique background. He graduated from Harvard as an all-conference cornerback and worked in the NFL under Jim Caldwell and Coach Patricia of the Detroit Lions. He's since moved back to Bowie's Creek four years as an assistant, and now he's one of the top coaches in Mike Minner's staff. He's a father of three, all three kids, three years or younger. So him and his wife, Morgan, it's an adventure, but they have a blast doing it. We sit down with Coach Williams and learn more about his background growing up in the Harvard University and what it takes to be a good football coach, a father, and a leader of young men. He's very impressionable and a very enthusiastic coach, 35 years old and a lot of potential in the business. So I'm excited to share with you our conversation with Coach Stephen Williams on this Rhymes with Orange podcast. So as the assistant head coach, there's responsibility, right? There you is. mentioned running this program, being the, the oversight for the, the team. Only three, four years in now. How does that feel to be promoted and, and given that responsibility? Um, and it's a blessing. Um, you know, I thank Coach Mint daily for, for the opportunity and him putting that trust in me. And, you know, he is one of my mentors in this business, somebody I love professionally and personally. Um, and, and it's just doing whatever I can to help the program. So, you know, whatever that is. Whatever that looks like. There's no set blueprint of you got to do this, 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 and this. But as anybody knows, the head coach has a million things going on on a day-to-day basis. So any anything I can do to lighten that load or help him out, you know, I'm going to do. You know, more than willing to, happy to do. Um, and it's been fun. It's been fun just to step in and help out and 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 see what it's like, kind of in little glimpses from his vantage point, from being in that seat. Because, you know, one day that's that's what I want to do. Um, and that's not my focus. My focus is obviously the Citadel right. and, and only the Citadel. Well, okay, so football season starts this week. And Correct. give us a sense, what are some of those moments you see, right? Because you say you get the glimpse of being a head coach. What's an example of what that looks like? Just the um, certain things you don't think about. Something as, as small as, as the practice schedule. When you're a position coach or me doing special teams, you know, as a special teams coordinator, you look at your period. Okay, I've got period five, eight, and ten, and I'm going to be ready for those periods. And you're not thinking about, you know, with Coach Minner as the head coach, well, all right, what leads into that? Well, period four leads into that. What part of the field are we on? Are we going to be on this part of the field? Are we going to rotate down this part of the field? Okay, my offense might need a little more time. The defense is ready to go. Do you cut them off or do you wait? And managing all of that. And so – Getting a look at that, the how every part fits into the whole has been a different perspective. It's been an interesting perspective. And understanding that the new direction we've gone this season with, you know, overall in the program with little things and how all of that works to to be successful in general. Um, Football is the ultimate team sport, and that's not just the players on the field. That's with the coaches as well. And we have to be a cohesive unit first and foremost before our players can be. And like I said, that's everything, you know, and, and the head coach has to think about, you know, what who's on the staff, do they have space in the locker room, you know, what players are we bringing in and whose group and managing the roster numbers and 
okay, cool, how can we get everybody reps in practice? And then, okay, now we have to cut reps for these people. And can we fit all that in and still be under the, the lot of time we have per NCAA rule for practice? Right. And how is that going to fit with everybody getting enough time to be – and just anything I can help in terms of that with Coach Minner is kind of what that's opened me up to. So people who may not know you, Steve, when you take over these special teams periods, there's a demeanor – there's a confidence. There's this whistle blowing, loud noises, controlling the room. Take me into the mindset of how you take over these special teams. It sounds a little different than it does now, but um, it's, we're, we're called the row, you know, and I'm the CEO of the row, and that is a a, a it harkens back to Suge Knight and Death Row. Obviously, um, you know, grew up with hip hop in the household, um, thanks to my mom Sandy back home, um, and it's just understanding that. It's a get down or lay down mentality in our building and for those we play. You know, is everything going to be perfect? No, but it's going to be uh, to the max, whatever we do. Um, high energy, high confidence, up tempo. Um, and it starts with me. It has to start with me. If it doesn't, then the players won't be able to do that. If they see I'm confident in what I'm teaching and what we're putting on the field, and most importantly, confident in them, you know, then they'll be able to play that way. And it, uh, Gets R-rated sometimes, maybe. Sure. <laughs> but it's always in a good way. And my guys who play for me know that I respect them and I love them. And we want to instill in them that special teams is important. It's the third phase of the game. And you have a role on that. And that role is important to the success of, of that individual game, um, success of the, the team, success of that season. And if you work hard, you know, we tell everybody, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're a walk-on scholarship. Sure. If you work hard and you put forth that effort, um, I'll find a place for you. And I have to thank Coach Mint and the staff as a whole because you know, every program's not like that. It wasn't always like that here. But it's a top-down mentality that special teams is important. And there's buy-in from everybody, you know, from Coach Mint to the coordinators to position coaches, you know, pushing their guys along and understanding that if you want to play an offensive defense, you have to play special teams. And you have to put forth that effort in practice every day. You have to be locked in meetings every day. And, you know, I look forward to it. And and one thing we try to do at practice is replicate what is in the game. Right. I don't know when I'm going on the field. You know, my specialists don't know when they're going on the field. You know, you have beginning of the half, you know, first half and second half. You know that, and that's it. So I know I'm guaranteed two plays. So everything else, you know, I have to be ready to go at a moment's notice. And so, I, you know, I stay keyed up. I stay juiced up so that – the guys will as well. You know, they just finish a long drive on offensive defense, and they're sitting on the bench, and now I'm screaming in, you know, punt alert or punt return alert on third down, and I have to bring that energy so that they know, okay, man, it's time to turn up. And, um, you know, hopefully folks will see that. You know, hopefully they've seen that, you know, my two years so far. Um, and hopefully they'll see it continually going forward. Since you're a fan of hip-hop, NFL teams before opening kickoffs, they have entrance songs, if you will, right? And the, the 10 men on the field with a kicker yeah. will swing back and forth. What song will we hear with, with the Camels this year? Oh, man, I didn't know I got to choose that. Um, if you had a choice. If right? I had a choice. Ooh, maybe. Well, the guys are really liking Who We Be by DMX right now. Mm. And so I would take that out of my hands, put in theirs. If that's what they wanted to play, we can go with that. And you can never go wrong with DMX absolutely. for any mood, any moment, any time of the day. So that would be it. DMX Especially at 5 a.m. in a gym. That's absolutely. always a good time to get you absolutely. up in the morning. Absolutely. We can go with that and, you know, anything. I don't care what they wanted to play. If they wanted to play, you know, Do Re Mi from, what was that, Mary Poppins? Yeah. Way back in the day. If they wanted to play that and that got them excited, we'd play that. 
But if I do get a say, I'm going to talk to the talk to the leadership council, talk to the captain, see what they want to hear, and 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 we'll go. We'll treat it like a, you know, walkout music for baseball. Whatever oh it takes, yeah. whatever it takes for them to get going, man. I you think know. I think kickers and punters should have walkout songs. We should, it's, you know, it, it, they don't have it in the NFL or even in college. We, but I think should. it'd be a nice. I, touch. I'm liking your ideas. We're gonna talk to uh, Mike Waddell. You know, he seems to be the guy. Oh, Mike he, Wads, he loves ideas. He he does. We gotta to talk to him because my guys might uh, they might be up for that. Maybe a little, you know, wild thing. Walking out with Charlie Sheen for for Caleb Dowden, and I don't know what Corey wants. I don't know what they listen to in Australia. But, uh, oh my gosh. Well, my brother was a college kicker at Southern California, and in practice, they would play, at the end of the periods, they would play certain songs to go out and kick. If they made the kick, they had conditioning. If they didn't, they'd have to keep running. And so the guys are heckling them. They're trying to get in their ears. And that, that pressure, I mean, I know you didn't play special teams, but I imagine that pressure is just overwhelming. No, no it, it is. I, I tell my guys all the time, you know, special teams coordinator, I, it's much bigger than just the, the snap, the holding the kick, um, neither of which I've done. Um, but always been a part of special teams as a player and, and, and loved it and love it as a coach. And, you know, I understand, again, we have very few finite opportunities. And um, so when we look for in recruiting and coaching these guys, it's just somebody who can just tune out the noise. Just tune it out. Like We'll put on the music that gets you in the mode, but then just to tune it out um, because it is difficult. And people aren't sensitive to that. They just say, hey, it's your job to go kick and great, but – you know, on a team of 120 plus, there's only four guys. Well, unless you're at Florida and you have 140 coaches and 115 players. No Did you doubt. see that this week? Oh, my goodness. All the polos that were sitting in the swamp and all lined up. Which it's, I guess that's modern football now, especially at the Power Five. Level. Everybody's working towards it. The more, the more, uh, the more hands, you know, the lighter the load, I guess. Um, but there's such things as too many cooks in the kitchen. And I don't think people realize this is a Campbell University podcast, too, how many folks are involved with the football program here. It's not just the 10 or 11 countable coaches. There's a good amount of people that, that help make this happen. No, and, and shout out to all the to all the support staff. You know, it starts with Katie Knight, their DFO. Um, you know, Brad Dennis, former punter here, who's now running video. You know, and they, you know, Jake, Jake Morgan, who's transitioned, but now uh, Jeff Campbell, who's running equipment. And then, obviously, Jackie Knight in the training room. And then Coach Spellman, <laughs> Mark Spellman, coaches, yeah. And they all have their staffs. Uh, be they, you know, paid or graduate assistants or interns or volunteers, and most importantly, the student assistants, because, you know, everybody's walking around campus and class is just starting. You see the kids walking around, but not taking into account those kids, you know, go to class. Some of them have jobs because they have to pay for school, and then they come and work for, for the football program. And hopefully people, when they see the, you know, our team picture, and they'll notice the, the amount of people there, understand that, again, it's not just Coach Minter and his 10 at all. You know, so many people that make – this program, this organization run, be successful as it is. And they're a huge, huge part who, you know, people talk about the coaches and the players, but that, that we couldn't do what we do without them. And it is all one big family. And we're all bought in this together. I always think of the football travel parties, right, when you're loading right. on a plane and you see, okay, here's the 75 travel roster, here's the 20 coaches, and then there's 60 to 50 to 60 people that are associated with the team, the trainers, the, the ATs, the strength coaches, the video folks like us, the, the president, you know, his cabinet. There's a whole bunch of people that are involved, and it's not just the 11 on the field. Right, and I, I think the more the merrier in terms of that support because it's a grind, you know, and I'm not even talking about for us as the coach, but for the players. Again, they're students as well. 
and we have high expectations of them as student athletes. You're going to class, you're turning all your assignments, be where you need to be five minutes early, you know, be a leader on campus, not just in our building. And, you know, they're working hard, really hard. And so to see our profile expand and to, to see us potentially have more success and to see people be excited about that, man, it's awesome because, you know, our kids, our kids deserve it. They don't deserve it just because they're football players. They deserve it because they're working hard and doing things the right way. And that can't be said about everybody. And that's not – hasn't always been the case here. Right. You know, but that's a direction that we are headed in, and it's, and it's paramount. And I think that people will see what the more that Coach Minner emphasizes that. You know, he talks about unlocking the greatness of the individual, of the person, of the student athlete, the more success they'll see on the field. And we'll be a program that people will love to support and proud to be behind. I saw a report come out this week. This football program has 21 graduate students on its team. That's a fifth of the roster right. is fifth, sixth, Aaron Maddox, seventh, seventh year right, players. Right. And there has to be an experience level that comes with that, right? Give me a sense when you're working with these 23, 24-year-olds, mm-hmm. how that changes a locker room. And so it, it changes it in the sense we'll go on the field. On the field is the easiest part. Like they've played a lot of football. They've been around a lot of football. So I can go explain a concept, you know, same thing with Coach Wheaton on offense and, and Coach Adams and Coach Howard on defense. They can explain a concept. They can explain a route. They can explain a combination. They can explain a defense, whatever it is. And those older guys, it's easier for them to grasp, um, which makes our job easier. You know, the less teaching we have to do about that, the more we can get into the details. The less overall, the more we can fine-tune things. But even, even better is that they can teach the younger guys. You know, they can operate as another set of eyes, like an extra coach, if you will. Yeah. Um, but more important than football is is the off the field. And we have guys who are 22, 23, 24, 25 years old um, who can bring along the 17, 18, 19-year-olds and set a positive example. It's not like these guys are just here hanging out like Van Wilder, for those who remember the movie. Great movie. Um, right? Um, but these are guys who are getting MBAs. These are guys who are going to be PTs. These are guys who are in nursing school. These are guys who are planning to go to law school. These are guys who have jobs lined up. These are guys who have internships. So they're away for the summer, and now they're back. And as we all understand, maybe a few of you guys will get a shot at the next level. But everybody else, you're going into the workforce. And we have guys who've, who have done things the right way. We've got, you know, multiple undergraduate degrees. We have guys who've got masters, working on a second masters. We've got guys who are going to be successful contributing members to society and outside of the world of football. And they can show these young guys exactly what that means. Because I, I don't care where you are, what school you are, the, the better you are off the field as a player, the better your players are in that sense. It just, it just correlates, it just translates. Because they obviously have the maturity and wherewithal to do what they need to do off the field. Well, then the on the field is easy. The on the field is easy. I can tell you, hey, man, you know, this is where we're kicking the void that direction. Here's what you do, 10 yards from the ball carrier. And – Oh yeah, no, that's that's nothing, Coach. I just finished my uh, my right. master's paper. <laughs> I'm about to I'm about to walk for the third time at Campbell. I'm like, man, that's awesome, you know. So having that 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 wealth of knowledge and experience, just 21 guys, like you said, you know, a fifth of the roster, it's a blessing. It's a blessing, and it helps us get our guys ready for when those guys matriculate on. So now, the next class, we might be a little younger, but they'll have the experience as well from what they've glean from their from their older teammates i want to dive back to your academic experience yeah. <laughs> because when, when you live in such a prestigious area like cambridge and you're you're going to harvard right mm-hmm. and that's an elite of the elite institution right football is competitive absolutely academics at harvard is a whole different level of competitive <laughs> 
Take me back to those years and, and how you tried to manage being a football player and a student, which at Harvard can almost be the inverse of what it is at other places. It is. It's not even almost. Um, we'll say I was a better football player than I was a student. Um, it took me a while to to figure it out what it took on, on both fronts. Uh, my first year and a half coming from, from San Antonio up to, to Cambridge was an adjustment, to say the least. You know, school was always easy. Always, you know, from from kindergarten all the way through through high school. Um, you know, it was valedictorian in my high school, and I thought, okay, college is going to be the same thing, right? And it's, that's not the case at all. Um, and the expectation there as a student athlete at Harvard is that, I mean, you're here for a reason. So, you know, by setting your schedule, you know, I'm a set study hall, you know, I'm a set academic advisor. You, you pick your classes that you need to graduate on time and, and get it done. And we also, you know, you know, you don't redshirt there. So it's it's four seasons. So you better have that degree in four seasons and, and better play all the ball you need to play and get out. Um, but once I, I settled in and I realized what it took, you know, again, just like I was talking about with our players, there's that level of maturity that you need to have and almost a professionalism in, okay, hey, here's where my classes are. I've got to get up early. I've got to do this. I've got to get my readings done. Um, I've got to have my notes. I've got to be set. I've got to go to class. I've got and to, to show up. And to know that at 18 or 19, that's a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to do, especially when, when nobody's telling you. You know, high school is great when your mom or your dad or your guardian is telling you, hey, man, the bus is coming. You got to get on and you got to go. And the law states you have to go to class or you're going to be truant. You know, college, when you have the option of showing up, um, it, it does make it more difficult. But you realize that showing up is what it takes, just like you show up at the weight room, and you don't miss that, and you show up at your meetings, you don't miss that. And the same thing with class. Once I did that, you know, it turned around. And, um, you know, I graduated. It was the best four, best four years of my life, you know. In hindsight, I wish I would have known now what I, you know, then earlier. Um, but, like I said, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But um, you, you really grow up in a place like Harvard. You, you really learn about yourself uh, more than anything. Obviously, the the academic side comes and the, the classroom stuff comes, but learning how to learn, learning how to operate and, you know, learning how to manage your time, learning how to balance um, just prepares you for a professional world. You know, well, that's the biggest deal in my job now is just balance, organization, being able to teach these guys and be able to, you know, know what's going on with offense and defense and being able to manage your home life and be able to, whatever it is, all those things. And that's what, what Harvard really taught me. I do want to touch on the Harvard-Yale rivalry oh, man. because I hope oh. the Campbell-Gardner-Webb rivalry builds into something like that, right, 150 years down the road. That'd be beautiful. But when you go back to Harvard-Yale, maybe the most all-time recognized college football rivalry, what was it like as a player, and I guess as a student too because there's vitriol with both, but being in those games and being a part of those moments? You know, I say this with, with all due respect. I hate Yale to this day. And – the crazy thing is we're all about the same, you know, you know, whoever Harvard's recruiting, you know, Yale's recruiting and vice versa. Um, and then you grow up past the, the games which you're done playing and you become friends with these guys, you know, um, and, and you know them and you work in the same spaces often and you need to laugh and joke about it. But that rivalry is, is unmatched to me. And you know that you want to win every game, but if you were to go 0-9 and then you beat Yale the last game of the year – you have something to hang your hat on. Um, and we were pretty successful against Yale in my time there. You right. know, you know, I think uh, what was it at three and one, only took one loss. Um, 
hate that we had that one loss because you never want to lose to Yale, but it, it, there's a magic to it, man. I mean, it's almost it feels like all New England turns out, whether you're in Cambridge or whether you're in New Haven, and um, a different energy, a palpable energy, and that starts from like 7 a.m. that morning when oh, you wake wow. up all the way through the final whistle. Um, the week leading up to it, it's just it's just different, and you know that you know the game is is going to be the culmination of the season. Um, we have all the respect in the world for Yale as you know competitors, as a university in general. But still, again, I, I hate them to this day. Uh, to this day, again, but with all all due respect, um, it's it's a magical a magical game, a magical rivalry, and, it's, and it goes across all sports and all competitions and whatnot. But something about that. Um, that last Saturday that we have every season is, is is unparalleled. Well, when you win the game, which you did three times, and it's called the game because it is the most the game historic you know. tradition. Absolutely, and, and I don't you, care what people from Michigan, Ohio State say. It's yeah. the Harvard Yale is is the game. That's it. Having an Ivy League education, you know, and, and this is something that Campbell University grads are pushing towards higher education and promoting their degrees. But there's a a prestige of graduating from Harvard, and I'm curious when you were in the job force or looking for jobs in the NFL, how that helped having a Harvard degree? <laughs> um, I was just talking to some of my players about this yesterday. They're asking about what what is in a degree. And what Harvard has done is it's gotten my foot in the door in a lot of places, given me the opportunity because people understand that for for someone to go to a Harvard or a Princeton or a Yale or any other Ivy League, Ivy League schools or any other school that has that you know pedigree is – to go and to graduate means you have something about you because it's not easy. Um, there is a prestige, and it's earned. It's been earned for, for centuries, honestly. 1636 is when Harvard opened, and each each graduating class understands that. That um, took hard work to get there, even harder work to to complete your studies. And so it does. it gets you in the door. And you know, the question I get the most is, well, why are you coaching? Right, and that's the, that's the joke you get. Why are you coaching? But I think you, on the field at the NFL level and off, you see a lot of uh, Ivy League schools in general, and especially Harvard, because again, we are the best, and I want all the other Ivy League schools to know that. Um, no, but seriously, um, we we love ball, we do. Um, and so people ask, why are you coaching? Because this is this is what I do. You know, I played football since I was five. I've always known I want to be a coach. And, you know, it's just in me. <laughs> You know, I, I hope my sons want to do the same thing one day. If they don't, great, but if they do, I'd love it. Make it the family business. Um, and the doors is open for me. It's, it's, you know, it's showing people that, hey, I have the ability to work. You know, the grind is, is nothing because I've had to do that from jump and willing to put in that work and also the ability to learn. Um, the misconception is, is that people from Harvard or any other school of that nature feel like we know everything, which is not the case. I think what you'll find out is, you know, myself, a lot of my classmates and teammates and the arenas they're in now understand that the success we've had is because we've been willing to learn. You know, we're open and willing to learn from anybody. You know, one thing I love is that everybody you meet knows something that you don't know. Everyone, literally everyone you meet knows something you don't know. And I think we're very receptive and keen on picking up on that. And that's why you see us have success in whatever it is, be it coaching, be it playing, be it investment banking, be right. doctors, lawyers, whatever it is, because we can learn from anybody. And, and, and again, we have the, the vast majority of us, you know, understand that we don't know everything and we need to, to be open to learn from anyone. Um, so my time and at all my stops 
Karen Wagner High School in San Antonio, right. South Carolina, uh, Penn State, Detroit Lions, um, here. Um, all I've done is learn. I worked around some great, 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 fantastic coaches and worked with some great players. And I want to ask you about the Detroit Lions experience because you were an African-American. You were a young, up-and-coming coach. To be able to pick the brain of Jim Caldwell, who's so well-respected in that field for many reasons, right, racial, coaching-wise, how did that experience change you? Jim Caldwell, it feels weird calling him Jim. I know he's going to do it. Coach Caldwell is one of the best human beings I've ever met. He's also one of the best football minds I've ever been around. And it was a blessing for him to to sign off on me, you know, joining his staff. Um, was a defensive quality control coach. And, you know, Terrell Austin was defensive coordinator. And I worked with the defensive backs with uh, Alan Williams and Tony Odin, Bill Sheridan linebackers, and Chris Kasarica with the D-line. And, and so many great coaches who have gone on, you know, absolutely will let go of the Lions to be continue to be successful. And the first thing Coach Call did was hire quality people. Um, and I think anything you do, same thing that's what we're recruiting when we're getting players. Your talent is awesome. And, you know, same thing hiring staff. Talent is awesome, but quality human beings. And that's what Coach Call did first and foremost. He had innate ability to recognize that. Guys who were first and foremost um, solid human beings mm-hmm. and and – if you know me, the one of the best things I can say about you, you're just a solid human, you know, salt of the earth, if you will. Um, and Coach Caldwell embodies that. And then to, to couple that with years of, of football knowledge and experience and, and success was unbelievable. To be able to sit in his office and talk about life, investments or real estate or family, not just football, was, oh, it was unbelievable. The, he just, he rattles it off with ease. That's just who he is. Um, he was invested in in me and everybody in the staff on being the best they could be and and wherever path that took them. Um, again, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done in his career. He is absolutely unbelievable um, from, you know, Wake Forest here in North Carolina all throughout the NFL. Um, if he still wants to coach, I, I hope he gets the opportunity sooner rather than later. And if not, then I hope somebody is a coach is picking his brain to figure out how to do it the right way because he absolutely did. It's it's neat too because you're a father of three and, and to see how Jim managed his family and the football family. I know that's an area you would love to strive in is to be a great father and a great coach. And those skill sets are similar, but to be able to balance it like you mentioned, that that is not an easy assignment. It's it's not. And you know the father part is first and foremost. Um, you know I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate that my wife uh, Morgan is again she's a a rock star superhero and holds our family down. And those three boys, you know. Jackson, Jameson, and Jensen, you know, they're they're my blessings, my little blessings. And it's chaos right now. They're three, two, and one, and they're ripping and running, you know, currently as we speak. You know, they probably just finished breakfast and, you know, giving mom all types of grief and just being boys and all over the place. And I love it. And but the 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 parallel I tell people all the time is when we go recruit, one day my my sons might be in that situation. And whoever I hand them off to, you know, I want to know that they're being taken care of. And anybody who entrusts their son to Campbell University and, and to myself and to the staff knows that, that we're going to look after your sons like they're our own. Um, and that's why we have success recruiting. You know, Coach Harris and, and Coach Miller and Coach Chip, they're, they're bringing in these kids, and everybody's like, well, what's the secret? Man, it's, it's no secret. Right. It's, it's hard work. Um, by them and the staff as a whole, and it's and it's love from the staff to these players and these families, so that 
when you entrust your young man, your son to us, you understand that when you get him back at the end, um, he's going to be a better human being. We're going to take what you've done, all the hard work, honestly, for those first 17, 18 years, and we're just going to add our bit to it and, and, and trust that he has an environment to grow um, because that's what's most important at the end of the day. Yes, we're in the business of winning games, but we got to take care of these boys. Um, and so I can go home and take what I do there every day and the love and the passion and the energy. And, again, like you might see in the special teams period, it's full contact at home as well. And that goes to the guys. Um, my language is better with my boys because they're so young. <laughs> um, but and that's where you can strike the balance. And then we just we then you integrate it. My sons will be at the the scrimmage tonight. They'll be at the games and um, playing with the Harris kids. Play with the Harris kids and interacting and with all different the kids Adams and the kids and the Anai kids and and you know Coach Brown's grandson and you know, Coach Anai's daughter. By the way, she's the cutest little thing. All all three of them. Well, um, little Fia, especially yeah. running around. I mean, they're they're unbelievable, and that, and that's what makes this place special. And the staff special, is everybody understands that balance and that integration. And our family's here all the time, and Coach Manor makes it a priority that you know your family wants to come, they come. You don't ask any questions; they're just there. You know, you can go at any time of the day. You know, if we're in the building, you'll see somebody's kids there, um, and our players see that, so they see that side of us as well, and they see how we interact with our kids, so they understand that. Okay, we're hard on our sons. Of course, we're gonna be hard on y'all. It's because we want the best for our sons and daughters. You know, just like we want the best for you. And it's not personal. Nobody's ever going to be disrespected. We're going to disrespect our kids. We're not going to disrespect you. But we're going to rear you up in our own ways. And, and like I said, the best way to strike the balance is to honestly to take pieces from both and, and integrate it. I love that part of this conversation because we all have families. We all have pets and, and kids and all this stuff. And it's not just our daily job. Right. You know, we don't just clock in eight to five or whatever hours, right? It's it's weaving that all together and the culture that coach Menner's built for your staff would seem very inviting and open. And, and that would seem to be the secret key, if you will, to getting these high school kids to find interest in you. Cause they, they learn more about who you are. That's it, man. You get to know us, you get to know us and us being the coaches, us being the culture, us being the players that we're all, all in on this together. So if you come from, from California or Texas or Maine or Alaska, whatever part of the country you come from, you come from Australia, you know, if you're international, that that you have a home here in Bowie's Creek. It's our little gym in, in North Carolina, man. You you have a home. Um, and Coach Miner's working towards that actively every day with all that we do. And it shows. And so like you said, there there's if there's a secret, it's that, you know, and 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 it's not really secret because you can tell anybody that, sure. but you can't fake that. It has to be authentic. It's authentic with our staff, and that's what recruits recognize. That's what families recognize. That's what our players recognize. It's authentic because if you're fraudulent about it, about our, our secret, about the work we put in, I mean, it'll show. And the one thing you know, I tell people all the time about teenagers is they see BS. Yeah, they can sniff it out <laughs> they quick. They sniff it out quick, and, and, it's, and it's instantaneous. Like, no, nah, that guy's a fraud. You know, okay, I don't want to deal with him. Versus us, like, okay, coach, fill in the blank. He's, he's, he's a real one, uh, you know, and doesn't have to be my personality. It could be Coach Miller, who, you know, you may not hear a peep out of. Except for your one-on-one conversation, but you understand he's genuine. He's a genuine dude. And people recognize that. And, and, and they love that. That's, so that's, I guess, the key to our success, if you will, in that, in that arena. I love, too, your Twitter account because every time I check it, 
there's a soccer post or a volleyball post or a, a golf thing retweeted. I, I get that football coaches have their little tunnel vision, right? right? But I, it does not seem with you, it seems very wide perspective, whole campus, and, and then that's that's a nice skill to have. And we Well, one, football is still part of the athletic department, you know, and we are all in this together, you know. And we in the football building couldn't be more proud of all the other coaches and players and staffs and their success. We love it. We love it. Anything that's making Camel better, we love. We just want to be a part of it as well. Um, and two, you know, I'm on campus. You know, I do the community service with the football team. I'm the faculty advisor to Uplift, the black you know, student-athlete yeah. organization. Um, I took a couple of kids down to, to Houston, the Black Student-Athlete Summit, um, this past May. And two of my guys, but then, you know, Zari Dunlap, former softball player, and, and uh, my girl HK, Haley, over there with soccer. Um, because it's not just football. You know, it, it's, it's everybody. And so any student, anything I'm involved, anything that I see, those students I know, I've gotten to know, you know, on campus, I'm going to support you. And if I can't get out to your game or your match, then the least I can do is promote it, you know, when I see fit. Oh, there's a game coming up. We tell our guys, get out there if you get a chance. Oh, if we got means we can, hey, just show them some love on Twitter afterwards. Because, again, we want to be appreciated. Everybody does. And we understand that even in a small university, football at times will get top billing, even when we haven't been as successful as we wanted to be. Versus, you know, golf. Right. Who, who's running off a, a, a dynasty right now that's running off a street. They're, you know, almost unparalleled. Well, yeah, they deserve love because they're putting that work in. Or volleyball. Baseball, obviously, when we're looking at the stadium right now, the success they've had, but softball, the back-to-back championships. I mean, soccer, both sides. There's so much success. You know, Coach Virgil over there with track just takes over and they, they win the Win conference. the indoor, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and everybody, whether you're football, whether you're Olympic sport, you know, should be recognized. Um, you know, Coach Minner also does a great job during camp. We have special speakers. And we had, you know, Coach Sintas and Coach Fisher and, and Coach Hare come and speak to us champion coaches and um, about what they've done with their players. And all we want to do is pick the brains of other people and we want to support them as well because we're all on this journey slightly different, our different, you know, our different fields, but we're all on this journey together. I got to see a lot of the football players and some softball players and volleyball athletes at the Uplift group on Street Fair yep. and their passion and their enthusiasm working with the, the BSA, Black Student Association. This is a university that's more diverse than people think. Much and more being diverse. able to have those conversations and having those forums is important. Right. And, you know, I'm a white man speaking to a black man right now. Mm -hmm. I think we need to have these discussions and be able to Absolutely. create that environment where it's open and fostering that diversity. This place is much more diverse than people think, and it starts with the leadership. You talk about President Creed. Um, I work on a diversity and equity inclusion uh, committee with the athletic department with um, Alicia Tucker. Um, just yesterday, our, our athletic director, you know, Anna Bazemore is in my office, and it's like, what does Uplift need? If they need anything, let me know. And that's not a conversation you're going to get from every athletic director. And I think people need to know that, that we are an inclusive university, we're a diverse university that wants to promote in the, the growth and development of everybody and anybody from any walk of life. Um, and the beautiful thing, like I said, in the street fair, it's not just black students coming up to the, the black student athlete tent. You know, it's all students, you know. And because it's, it's important that the issues of diversity, pick a group. Sure. Um, need allies from everybody. Everybody needs to be involved for the betterment of everyone. And, yes, it is a black student-athlete organization, but it's not just for black students, if that makes any sense. And we are about everyone. 
um, because we understand that, you know, in times of, of need for us that, you know, we're going to need everyone too. And we're going to be that for others as well. Um, we're, when we're a reflection, we uplift a reflection of the university. Yes, this is a, a PWI and people just assume that there's nobody's going to look like me or right. talk like me or sound like me or feel like I do on this By campus. the way, the term PWI. So Mike Minner, he told me that off the record one time. I was mm-hmm. like, coach, I'll be honest, I don't know what that means. Right. And that, and that shows even the blindness to it at times that someone like me may not realize some right. of the struggles that other people may face. And, you know, uh, you know, PWI, primary white institution, um, honestly, well, most colleges are. <laughs> and and it's, it's not a pejorative. It's not a negative. That's just what most colleges are, you know, the opposite being, you know, HBCU, historically black college university. Right. Um, and oftentimes, like I said, I went to Harvard. It, it From the outside, it doesn't get wider than that, right? Which is also a much more diverse place than people think. And that's part of the reason why you really love it. You get there and you immerse yourself. Like, wow. And Campbell has that same feel. Um, and the more people we can get out, of all walks of life to see what this university has, the more it's going to grow and the better it's going to be. I know faith's a big part of your background as well. And, and you mentioned a Bible verse here from Luke one thirty seven for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Absolutely. I think that speaks to many people on this campus in this world and about just that faith and that Testament to continuing on your path. And, you know, and people get caught up in Christianity or religion and assume that you have to be perfect. Listen, I am the biggest sinner in the world, right? I am far from perfect, but I understand that I need a guide, you know, and that's it. You know, if I if I try my best to stay true, you know, nothing will be impossible. Does that mean everything's going to work out as you, you think you're seeing fit? No, but they also tell, you know, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Um, and it's something I wear on my sleeve. It's nothing that I hide, but it's also nothing that is pushed on anybody. You know, same thing you know, with, with all with all people. Like, hey, man, do you just – we want our players to have something to hold on to, you know, whether it's, you know, God, Jesus, whether you're, you're Catholic, Christian, whether you're Buddhist, Muslim, whatever it is, have something to hold on to because when times get hard, you got to be like, what can I focus on? What's your North Star, right? What's your guideline? What's your principle? What's your moral compass set? What can you revert back to? Because we know when, when times get hard, we're all going to go back to our factory settings. Mm-hmm. And what is that? And so – for me, the better I can be with that. Whatever my factor settings, when times get hard, you know, the better I'll be overall. You know, we'll revert back to our training, put in the sports sense. You know, so we practice hard because when times get hard, you revert back to your training and how our practices are. And so then the games will be easy. Um, it, it all goes together. But, yes, um, man of faith, far from perfect. <laughs> Anybody listen to this and be like, man, Steve, what you talking about? No, no, far from perfect, always working to be better, striving to be better on a daily basis. Well, I love too. This is this is a university rooted in its Baptist culture. It's not necessarily the overarching right. vision of the campus, but open environment, fostering that faith-based learning, and then just having those pillars that you can lean on. I think that's so important. I mean, I think of a player like Greg Streeter, mm-hmm. who wears his faith and his passion on his chest, and that's for underprivileged kids. That's for the community. That's for his faith. That's for his brothers in the classroom. That's for everybody. Mm-hmm. He just has that passion on him. He is a intense young man in the best ways possible. Um, Greg Streeter and people like him um, are the heartbeat of any program, not just ours. Um, he heads up um, it's a part of an organization on campus called Ransom. So if anybody wants to get out and meet Greg Streeter and, and Keyshawn Thompson and others on campus, please go check out Ransom. Um, 
But again, he's an unbelievable human being. And that makes things, again, easy on the field. And you, you understand that when he leaves Campbell, you know Greg Streeter is going to be okay. And I think that's the biggest, the most successful thing you can have as a coach is that when these boys leave your program, you know they're going to be okay. That's not always the case. I mean, you know, anywhere. There's guys I played with. Like, hey, man, what's he going to be doing when he leaves? I don't know. Right. Versus that guy, yeah, we know he's going to be just fine. Well, it's crazy, too, because you're coming up on year four at Campbell oh, now. Which, which means you're about to see a full class. I know with COVID, some kids are here a little right. longer. Right, right. But you're about to see a full class of seniors, the, the Brevin Allens, the Haj Malik Williams, the, you know, the Matt Prices who recently graduated. Mm-hmm. All these kids who were young when you got here. And you mentioned having three kids, three and under. I, I do feel like there's some parallels of watching your kids grow up and then watching these football players graduate. They're they're different human beings. I remember when Hodge walked on campus, you know, as a kid coming from from Army, you know, and and to where he's 22 years old now, and he's a different human being, um, which is what you would want and expect that over over these years that people are going to mature. And that could be the same. The same could be said for for countless others that you know. And I started. I was working with the linebackers, um, um, you know. And I had Alex Santiago, who's now a tight end, I had Jack Wilkes and Ethan Corsi and Ron Olson to see whether they started to, to now contributing members of the team. Um, Xavier Kane is a safety. Was one of my guys that now is just got a scholarship. Just got a scholarship. Yeah. Um, that was. I love those ceremonies. It doesn't matter for who, for well, what no, time of the year. No, man, it's, it's it's great. And you know, you see guys like that, and they grow up from from kids, from boys to to men. Like I said, that's one of the best parts of the job. Like Julian said, Hill. Julian Hill grew up from a high school option quarterback school to quarterback now a possible Fayetteville. NFL prospect. Listen, man, Julian Hill is is. Tangibles, intangibles, one of the best players I've been around. I don't care where you are. I don't care what level. And he's going to have a great season. And a team needs to draft him, not just sign him, draft him. Right. And, and, and get his rights and hold on. And they're going to know immediately when he walks in that building that we made the right decision. He is unbelievable. I mean, the backbone, the the heartbeat, the brain, whatever you want to call it of our team is, is, is 85. He's special. A special, special human being and a special football player. And there's so many guys you can say that about in our locker room, which is why, you know, we feel like we're going to have much more success, not just this season, but as the program going forward, you know, into our new our new ventures and whatnot. When you heard the news of the CAA, you know, you hear the rumors. Right. Obviously, as coaches, you were informed there was a bid, but you never know when that all takes place. Right. What was your immediate reaction when you heard the news of the conference change? Excited. Absolutely excited. Um I'm a competitor by nature in everything I do. You know, I have to turn it off. I'm playing basketball with my son, you know, on his little hoop, you know, me and mom. And, and you're and, winning 27 to 1, and he gets maybe a bucket. And I, yeah, and I want to see him be successful, but, you know, obviously, but if I miss a shot, you know, I'm, I'm a little pissed. You know, if mom beats me shooting baskets, which she has, you know, and she will gladly tell anybody who, who, who talks to her, you know, I'm pissed. Now, you can manage it differently than right. obviously on Saturdays, um, but. You can't turn off being a competitor, and and that's what we want in our building is, is competitors. We want to play the best, you know, and we're excited to finish out in the Big South, and we want to finish out our last season in the Big South with the championship and to move on and continue that championship tradition to build that and develop that going into the CAA. It's a 
if not the one of the best FCS conferences. No doubt. You know, and there's no question about that. And and you saw a great taste of that last year with James Madison, who's a now moving FBS, but a national power. At its unbelievable, time. unbelievable in the program that you know they have in place. You can tell why they're successful, and we're trying to get to that level. You know, we're trying to have that year to year unmatched, unparalleled success. And the only way to do that, and like you know, they say in wrestling, you want to beat the man, you got to beat the man. That's it, and that's what we're trying to do. We Rick wanna, Flair, man, Rick I love Flair. that quote. You, you can't, you know, the Nature Boy, right? <laughs> so we want to finish out with a bang here in the Big South and head into the CAA and continue that. But everybody was excited about it. The other moment on the schedule that people sort of go, "Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. Jackson State!" Absolutely, with Deion Sanders, with the HBCU tradition, homecoming weekend. I realize you're focused on Citadel game one right now, Absolutely. but that week to me will seem to be a life changing. Obviously, there's a game on it, but Correct. there's so many storylines and factors. So to make many, that name. so many. You, you first will say, you know, Coach Sanders and his staff and what they're doing at Jackson State is unbelievable, and not just at Jackson State, what he's doing for all the HBCUs, um, not just football programs, shining a light that they've deserved to have shine on them for, for forever. If you ask me, the greatest coach in, in college football history is A. Robinson, mm-hmm. Grambling. It's not. It's not close. It's him. It's him and everybody else. If you ask me, my you know humble opinion, and HBCUs deserve the recognition everybody else does. Um, and I love what Coach Sanders is doing to to highlight that. Um, now, we want to go beat them, of course, obviously. Um, but the experience is going to be unmet. Homecoming, Jackson State, sixty thousand just in the stadium and. Probably double that outside. Um, we can't wait. We cannot wait. You know, we have the number one recruiting class. They have the number one recruit. Um, With his son, yeah. You know, and, and you know, and we want to go again. To be the man, you got to beat the man. They had a great season last year, and I know they're trying to build on that and Sports Illustrated cover and cameras falling around, and they deserve that. Um, but just, you know, we want to make sure that people understand that we do too. And that what's happening in Bullets Creek is not a fluke. Uh, it's not a fluke. And, and, you know, people may not have heard of us yet, but but they will for all the right reasons. Well, Steve, it's because of people like you. And I don't say that just because I'm talking to you right now. I think <laughs> people like you and, and Mike Minner and these high-class, high-character people make a difference. You can tell on this campus mm-hmm. that coaches and professors and people who have authority and respect around the campus, that, that carries weight. Right. And I think you and Coach Minner mm-hmm. are among many in football that I, do that. I appreciate it. And one thing I want people to know who are listening to this and who come on visit us is that, again, it's Coach Minner and, you know, myself and thank you and everybody else on our staff, but just not football. Like you said, the professors, uh, the administration, all the other sports on campus. Just take time to come and meet these folks. And you'll be like, oh, okay. I, you know, I get it. I get it. Why this place is special? Why people come here? Like, man, like, I think about it, man. People come to the creek and never leave. No doubt. And, you know, become lifers. It's not because they don't have other opportunities. It's because, wow, man, this place is special. And you're right, it's because of the people. Starting top down, all the way from, from President Creed, all the way down. Um, and it's a blessing to be a part of it. And, and you know, I just want people to really be able to come out and experience it. Well, this podcast is called Rhymes with Orange for its unique nature and for the Campbell spin. Mm-hmm. I, I think you were a great first guest for the Man, semester. I appreciate, so I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me, the invite. I'm glad to do it. Anytime you want me to come back, I'm, I'm more than willing to. And great name. You know, people hopefully will catch it. Nothing rhymes with orange. And I've been, you know, spinning my brain trying to, I'm going to come here and have (laughs) Have that word. word. Yep. And no, I got nothing. I got nothing. Thank you, Coach Williams. Man, thank you.